Right? Like, I need more of God. I, I'm, I'm at a place in my life where I need to, you know, stay connected, you know. Um, and I pray that everybody here would uh, begin to embrace that even the greater uh, sense now that we need to stay connected. Uh, the year is coming to an end. And I don't know about you, but God has brought me out of some mess. And uh, it's another year that I can celebrate, so I'm excited about the countdown into the next year. Some of us uh, just started coming around, and uh, we're here. This is our miracle year for some of us. Amen? So I, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about today's message. We've been in a series of James, and uh, hopefully I'm going to try to get you to this place here, which is the communion table by the end of this service where we, uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to partake of the communion table. There's not many things we do. We dedicate our babies unto the Lord. We are baptized by immersion. And we sit and take part of the communion table. It's a place of honor. It's a place of privilege. It's an opportunity and an invitation that God affords us. When we look at the pictures of the Last Supper, it shows Jesus and his disciples sitting uh, in chairs, and there were no chairs, there were floors, and um, we have to be really aware of the true picture of that moment. In that moment, Jesus knew what was coming, and he wanted to make sure that those who believed in him and were with him would be prepared to embrace those moments. It's something about the communion table. It's about fellowship. It's about community. It's about connecting with one another. It's why we do it the way we do it. When we do it, first Sunday of every month. I have the privilege and honor of being part of that, so I'm grateful for that. But before we get to this table, we have to start at that table. We have to start at the table here. And this is where we come all how do they say, tore up from the floor up? This is where we come pretty twisted. And maybe our marriages are not what they should be. Our children are driving us a little crazy. You know, our finances, you know, we're living from check to check. You know, sometimes uh, our lives seem fruitless. So before we get over there, before we sit at the communion table today before we draw near to God we need to do some things here and here are three things that I want you to remember throughout this sermon we come as we are but we're not satisfied where we are and we strive to get where we need to get to amen we come as we are and that's what we do here everybody shows up something has drawn you here Something has told you, show up, and you come as you are. You don't have to wear a three-piece suit here. You don't have to shave. You don't have to do any of those things. You just show up. But here's what I've learned. When I came as I was, I wasn't satisfied where I was. I wasn't satisfied telling my wife I loved her and then looking at something else. I wasn't satisfied saying, Lord, bless me, and then keep it all to myself. I wasn't satisfied just having my children. I wanted them to love me and love God. So I caught a glimpse of what it could be, and I began to strive. When I say strive, it means it's not easy. It means that there's going to be some obstacles along the way. And I love James because James speaks to us candidly. James, you're going to see more duty than doctrine. He's not going to try to hit you hard with theology. He's just going to let you know, do this. Just do this. And, and when you read about James, you've got to realize that James was the uh, brother of Jesus. And people don't realize when you look at it that he didn't believe in Jesus while he was growing up with him. <laughs> Imagine growing up with Jesus and not believing. But something happened to James. And he began to pen it down and began to write it down. And he speaks to us about duty. About godly living. I know that many of us are right here in this place. We've walked away a little bit from where we are and we're trying to get there and we're striving. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't give up. 
Don't give up. Catch a glimpse of that table. The invitation to draw near to God. And it's there that we jump into the scripture today. And it's found in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you're here for the first time, inside a bulletin there is a sermon map for you. We think of you. And it's also, hopefully, will be up on the screen. I say hopefully because we don't necessarily control the technology. Every now and then there's a plug that doesn't go in where it has to go in. But there's a sermon map that's been given to you. So if you follow along with me as I read. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. This is the most recognizable verse, I think, other than John 3.16, that I hear most people say. And they say it so freely. Look what it says. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. And gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before God. And he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law as a judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Amen. We can go home now. That preaches itself. And I don't have to really expound on it much except to tell you that the reason we quarrel is there's something inside of us. There's something within us and James points immediately to that. And I love James because he doesn't mix words. He says, listen, the reason you don't get your way is because there's something inside you. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you fight with each other because you don't get your way. And then you want things, but you don't ask God for them. And when you do ask God for them, your motives are all wrong. You want so that you can keep and hoard. You want so that you can flaunt it. And show people that you've arrived. I remember growing up, everybody that went back to Puerto Rico went back with a suit and gold chains. <laughs> I'm showing my age a little bit, but everybody took Pan Am and Easton. Everybody remember the LA's? Right? We all went back with suits, you know, very uncomfortable shoes. Right? But everybody wore gold. Meanwhile, everybody, everybody, or just about everybody, I don't want to insult anybody, was on welfare. And it's important for us to realize that there's something inside us that James is saying, you need to bring it before God. So that before you transition from that table to that table, as you draw near to God, that you begin to wash your hands, you sinners. Because guess what? We're all sinners. 
We all fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark on a daily basis. Here's the wonderful thing about this. That there's something called repentance. That we can turn away from those things and turn towards God because that table is an invitation. He's saying, come. So your marriage isn't all it's supposed to be. Come. So, so your kids are not, you know, they don't got it going on. Come. So your finances are with it. Come. Stop thinking that you got to get good to get God or get cleaned up to get right. You see, the righteousness, our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags before the Lord. I want to sit at that table, but I got to do something here. I got to be willing to draw near to God. Because I got to tell you something, as I'm reading the scriptures, as I, know, as I draw near to God, He begins to shed these things. I got to love Him more than I love the world. That's what James is saying. The double-minded person is we got a hand in the world, a hand on God, and we're doing this. So how do we expect to receive anything from God when we're holding on to the world and trying to hold on to Him? Somebody's got to pry my fingers from the world and the only one that can do that is the Spirit of God as I want more of Him. Because i got to tell you something. Listen to me, beloved. You like this over here. You like being miserable. It's the reason we use drugs. It's the reason why we fight. It's the reason why we argue. Something about us likes it over here. It's this flesh, the sinful nature. And James gives us this practical, you know, a candid, dutiful words. And he says, this is why you do what you do. There's something still inside you that needs to be removed from you so that you can come and sit with me. Some of us eat at this table, wipe our mouths, and then run to that table. That's scary. Some of us do church, but don't necessarily do Jesus. And it's so important that today, as we transition from this table to that table, that we begin to look at one another and look at ourselves and say, man, you're made in the image of God, and I love you. And the reason I hurt you is because I've been hurt. And I haven't come to grips with that. And James is saying, he's saying, man, I, I need you to go inside today. And before we sit at that table, I need you to go inside. I need you to hear these words because he's clear. I, I love the... the, the Listen, there's so many nuggets in here. One of the ones is speaking evil against someone else. You know that that there's a crime. Slander and libel are in the law books. You can't just get up and use freedom of speech to slander someone. You just can't. That's in the world, but here we call it grumbling and gossiping. That's killed more lives than anything else. So why would you want to partake of it? You've got to say, if you're going to draw near to me, you've got to drop that stuff. You've got to stop doing that stuff. You've got to stop coming to church and saying, oh, hallelujah, glory to God, and then going outside and cursing the living daylights out of the cab driver. It's just unacceptable. Because he's calling us to this godly living. He's saying, listen to me, he's saying, I want you to show me your life by the experience you've had with Christ. Woo! If you've been with Jesus, you've got to be different. Now maybe you've heard of Jesus, maybe you've got a picture of Jesus, maybe you watch a movie about Jesus, but to know Jesus is to flee from the world and turn towards God. That's what to know Jesus is. Because along the way, you're not going by yourself. He's saying, I'm going to be with you. I will not abandon nor forsake you. I will be with you always, he says. And then when you start getting weak and you're here and you're striving, he says, Holy, Holy Spirit! We need some power over here. And he sends as you desire it. You know why? Because I've got to get away from the world. It's got its grip on me. 
My attitude, my desires, my motives are worthy. The only way that I can draw near to God is by fleeing from those things. And James says, listen to me. Stop it. That's what I got from James. He just said, stop it. If you claim to have been with Jesus, then something has to happen. Something's got to get. There's got to be a transition that you begin to make. And I tell you when it begins to happen. When you begin to be obedient. Ooh, I just cussed. When you begin to be obedient. Obedient to what? I don't like being obedient. Here's another cuss word. When you submit. <laughs> okay, women, take it easy. I know. I know. But this whole thing. It's you get these words, you're like, no, that word cannot be there. Let me see the Greek. Uh, let me see the Hebrew. I, I gotta make sure that that word was originally the word that he intended it to be. He says, submit to God. Resist the devil. And he shall flee. Submit to God. He says, well, you know, I don't know. I like coming to church. Church is beautiful. I love singing the songs. But I don't know, Pastor. This Jesus thing just, you know, it's too many rules. He's taking all the fun out of life. Lying, cheating, stealing, kids going crazy. Your wife looking at you like, damn, why I married this dude. You get money in this hand and it goes in this hand because you're still playing video games. We ask you to collect some cans and you have a problem with that. We ask you to show up and volunteer in the church and you have a problem with that. We ask you to show up on time and don't be in a hurry to leave and you have a problem with that. You carry your Bible and all you're doing is perpetrating fraud. And James is saying, hey, you say you've been with Christ. Act like it. Act like it. Gaze into the eyes of Jesus and be transformed. Be changed. And I love James says because he says draw near. And then he uses words like adulterer and adulteresses. And that's an Old Testament term. A lot of us hear it and says, man, that means I'm sleeping around. No, it just means this, that you've chosen to serve other gods other than him. You've created these idols. You've had these illicit affairs with the world. Now, I don't know, you know, a lot of us, we are a recovery movement. And I don't really know how many times we have to relapse. The addict can recover. There is a hope and a strength that's found in Christ that we can tap into. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I'm all messed up. Listen, sit down with me and we can have a cup of coffee and cry over our lives. But we can cry here or we can draw near to God, but we can be transformed. And that invitation can empower us so that we can overcome. I'm tired of the devil giving me a Bible study. <laughs> you know he knows the word, right? And he'll twist it. He'll tell you things like, uh, God helps those who help themselves. I didn't find that anyway. I, I looked for it because I wanted to make sure that as I quoted that, <laughs> it's a lie from the pit of hell to keep us in a place where we never draw near to God. And then the thing that we get in our minds is that if I draw near to God, man, he's going to take things away from me. God is going to remove from your life those things that are harmful to you. That will keep you from fulfilling the life that he has set before you. I know that for a fact. I know that God has a way that the more I want him, the more he begins to do what we call spring cleaning. Right? When he knocks at the door of your heart and you let him in, he says, ooh, that's got to go. Right? And you're like, no, but that's an antique. I want to keep it. You know? <laughs> it has no value. It has no value here. 
It has no value here. It had no value over there, but you were deceived. Over here, we're deceived. This world deceives us into believing that we're okay. You've heard me say this before. I always, I always thought that I wasn't hurting anybody. And I remember my experience with my mother always waiting up for me. And I watched this beautiful uh, ebony queen turn into this gray-haired, ragged old lady. She even tried to trick me one night when I came in late. I went to give her a case and her face was cold. It's because she was out the window. <laughs> she wasn't sleeping. She was out the window waiting for her boy to come home. So I thought, here's the brilliance of being 16 years old. If I move away from home, they don't have to worry. I still, I still worry. And God shows tremendous concern when you continue to engage here. When he's making an invitation and he's saying, come, draw near to me. Draw near to me. And you're like, I'll be there in a a little while. Listen to me. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. It's not guaranteed to anyone. Are you hearing me? Because we're living that way. We're making plans and we're asking God to bless this. Someone told me the other day, I was talking, it was really profound, because he said, you know, I came to the conclusion that I've been asking God to bless the program that I developed. Right? You know the program. I'll make 90 meetings. I go to church 10 times. I go to Bible study. I go to counseling. Right? God bless it now. When we should be asking God, what is it you have for me? What is the program you have for me? And give me the help and the strength so I can carry it out. How many know that praying is difficult? Come on, you can be honest, you're in church. Right? You ever get on your knees and start to pray? And I was like, woo, where did that come from? <laughs> and then you got to pray harder, hoping to get it out your head, right? Right? That's because this sinful nature would like nothing more than adulterate that time with God. How many of us can't sleep, right? Up all night, watch TV at 2 or 3 in the morning, right? But the minute we read the word, we go to sleep. <laughs> read one verse, read it three times. <laughs> you can be engaged for two hours watching a movie. Watching a show, just sitting there. Yeah, this feels good, beautiful. Yeah, okay, popcorn. Ooh, ooh. And then all of a sudden, you sit down and say, and the Lord says, and you're like, <laughs> and you're out. The enemy will like nothing more than to keep you here, to keep you on this side of the ballpark. He doesn't want you to draw a man to God. And James is saying, listen, I'm not going to give you theology. I'm not going to give you doctrine. All I'm saying is walk towards him. Because he's calling you out of darkness. He's calling you out of your misery. He's calling you out of your pain. I want you to come to me. And I will heal you. I will embrace you. I will give you what you need. And I'm not talking about materially. Man, I got to tell you something. I'm happy with white rice and eggs these days. As long as I have my wife and my children and my friends and my family. I traveled to Florida last week to see my mom. The airlines literally raped me because of the price they charged. It was triple but it was worth every single penny to see my mom and to hold her. She's gotten a little shorter. I think she's shrinking. She didn't scream as much because she's pretty loud. I don't know what it is. I think it's the mixture in her. But I would pay tons to be able to see a smile on her face. 
She still plays Monopoly. <laughs> I can't stand the game. <laughs> so I don't play. <laughs> but that's what I value now. Over here, I didn't value that. I said, I love you, Mom. But then I served this world. I told my wife I loved her. And then I pursued other things. In here, it's a danger. It's a place to be. So what I've decided to do in my life is to strive. And I haven't arrived. Don't think because I'm up here, I am this, you know, perfect. I got no wings, no hair over my head. You stay close to me long enough, you're going to see me yell and scream and fight. In fact, I've been told by some very dear friends that I need to smile more often. You know? You know? Uh, someone told me the other day, he said, are you happy? And I said, yeah, I'm happy. And he said, well, why don't you tell your face? If you see me smiling more often these days, I'm not using. Okay? So, just want to know, let you know, to anticipate that as well. Amen? All right, let's get moving through this. There are some things I need you to do. Okay? Here. All right? The first one is to renounce strife. Renounce strife. How do I draw near to God? How do I strive towards God? First, I want to renounce strife. Refuse unnecessary arguments and personal strife. Seek to be at peace with others. Can you hear me? As long as I can help it, I want to live in peace. Right? When the work starts bugging out, I need to. Ooh, Jesus. Right? When the husband starts to get out of place, ooh, Jesus. When the kids are going over, joy, Señor, ayúdame. You know what I mean? Those kind of things. We, we want to be able to renounce strife. In other words, I don't want to be part of it. I don't want to be part of this. Many of us, if I ask you, what do you want? You would say, I want peace in my home. But you know what? You're a tyrant. You're the instrument of strife in your home. You don't know how to shut your mouth. You don't know how to be quiet. You have an answer for everything. Parents, isn't that what bothers you most about your kids when they don't shut up? I have a kid in my class. I always tell them, can you be quiet? And he keeps moving. I said, okay. Well. <laughs> And I said, you're still talking. He says, no. I said, your lips are moving. <laughs> and sometimes as human beings, all we got to do is just be quiet. Why? Because I want to be at peace. And here's the big part. Because I want to think more of you than myself. Going back to that first scripture, verse 1 and 2. The reason we quarrel is because what? We don't get our way. Right? It's a shame when you see grown people throwing tantrums. Right? Man, I love to give you some baba when I see you doing that, man. Stick my belt over. Yeah! You want throwing tantrums as grown-ups. I can see children doing it. Because they don't know any better. But grown people throwing tantrums. It's important for us to renounce strife. Amen? In verse 7 it says... Submit yourselves to God, renounce the devil, and reject all his suggestions. That's what it talks about. That's the encapsulation of that. I'm paraphrasing. So we renounce rebellion. Number two, renounce rebellion. What does that mean? Stop fighting against God. You're going to lose. The knockout, bing, you're down. You're going to lose. You're telling God, God, you know, I can go a couple more rounds with Satan. No, you can't. He's playing with you. He's teasing you. He's got this elaborate plan to pull the rug from under you and you don't see it coming. 
Because your eyes are what this world is offering you. Listen to me. The holidays are coming up. I have a hard time with the holidays for no other reason than I've given people gifts and they rattle the box and they unwrap it and it's like, this is it. Meanwhile, I sit online at mall. Alright? I drove my car into the mall. Okay? And I dealt with that lady who wanted to grab that gift before I got it. And that's all you have. So you got a bunch of ungrateful. And sometimes, as God is calling us to the table, we're ungrateful because the world looks so appealing. So we're rebellious. So I'm asking you to renounce rebellion. Renounce strife. Submit yourselves to God. Verse 8 says, this is what you should do. Be quick to confess sin. Oh boy. Listen to that. Because you're as sick as your secrets. Yeah, you are. And your secrets lead you into darkness. And here's what I've read. That whatever you do in darkness will be brought to the light. Yes. <laughs> I didn't make that one up. I wish I would. But the reality is that what you think no one else sees, God sees. And God's invitation is to get you over there. And because you don't want to renounce things here, He will expose you. And you're like, man, but He's a loving God. That's right. He's not going to let you stay in your mess. If his goal and purpose and is to get you over there so that you can sit at his table and sup from the meal that he has prepared for you, why would he let you show up with your junk or your ingredients to flavor his meal? You know, we, we, we bring. How many people cook in this room? Because I know we all eat. Right? And we all have, you know, like there's no recipes that we use. I watch my wife do it, man, and she's like, ping, ping, ping. And I'm like, Ma, write it down for me. That's why I don't cook. But she, you know, she does her thing, and, and it comes out every time perfect. Every time perfect. God, if you let Him, will bring you to perfection. Woo! I, I, I love that. So, renounce right. Renounce rebellion. Be quick to confess sin. I love this part because I think somewhere I read also that you're supposed to confess your, your, the exact nature of your wrongs to someone else. Woo, somebody help me out. Right? So, so, how can we do that if we keep it to ourselves? If you're one step from the edge when you keep it to yourself. And the enemy even tells you, don't tell nobody. Just go straight to God. Don't worry about it. And that's what we do. A lot of us go to God and we say, oh God, forgive me. Blah, blah, blah. says, yeah, but now God whispers in your ear and says, go seek forgiveness from the one you've offended. You're like, no, man, no way, God. You see, you suck the fun out of things. I come to you. I'm okay. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll confess. Oh, I'll cry. I'll fast. No. Go. And tell your mama you're sorry. Go tell your kids. At the same hands you hug them with, not the hands you want to beat them with. I've seen that recently, and it brought pain to me because the kid recoiled when his father went to hug him. Kind of did this. Like he was expecting something, and it wasn't a hug. So be quick to confess. Nothing more effectively humbles a man than to admit sincerely that he is a sinner. We are sick as our secrets, and these secrets distort reality. Everybody has a reality. Assess it. You're far from God. You're in the right place. The invitation is to you and to me on a regular basis. 
every single day. Every single day. The Bible says that the mercies of God are new every Every morning I wake up, he sprinkles me. Every morning he says, we're going to make it today. Every morning we're going to work it out today. We're the ones that say, no, I got this, God. <laughs> I got this, God. Don't worry about it. When I need you, I'll call you. Right? Don't call God when you put the key in the door. Don't call God when you're naked and laying in the bed. Don't call God when the needle is in your arm. Don't call God when you cough. You gotta call way before that. And I gotta tell you something. He shows up. He shows up. Here's another thing to take home with you. When you ask for help, don't question how it comes. <laughs> don't question how it comes. For a long time, my mother was uh, prayed, God help my children, help my children, and then one day my brother got locked up. <laughs> It helped. It helped. Because he went from his, you know, 110 pounds to 220 pounds. He felt him good, he slept good, and for a while she knew where he was. So when you ask for help, don't question how it comes. Just accept it, embrace it, and continue to strive towards God. Amen? Next is renounce slander. Renounce slander. Speak highly of others even to your own discredit. There's a great book uh, called The Five Love Languages. Anybody read it? Anybody read it? Anybody practicing it? <laughs> because it's important for us not only to read it, but to practice it. Amen? Now, the reason is because I know my love language, and I know my wife's love language. Right? And for me, I'll share it with you, it's physical touch and words of affirmation. Now, I know where your mind went, physical touch. Okay? Slow down. <laughs> It's just her embracing me. And the other day was so funny because I had a bad attitude last night. As you can tell, you have a bad attitude a lot of times. And um, she put her arms out like this. And I saw her arms and I was like so mad I didn't want (laughs) to... I didn't want to hug her, you know, whatever. But she called me and said, Give me a hug. And, um, and, and, and uh, I gave her a hug and um, felt better for it. Um, but physical touch doesn't have to lead to anything else. Can you hear me, men? Because I know you're writing right down, that's my love language, physical touch. <laughs> and, and words of affirmation are something else. Listen to me, wives. Personally, I have to encounter the world every single day. And I get beat up every single day. If I get home and you beat me up too, then man, I'm going to work longer hours. I'm going to bowl, and I don't like bowling. You know, I'm going to sweep the neighborhood. (laughs) You'll see me sweeping the neighbor's front porch or something like that, just so I don't have to get into the house. When my wife tells me something sweet, woo, my cake goes on. You know the Superman cake? Right? Like, like I can go through a wall now. But when she tells me something that beats me up, I kind of recoil. What I'm saying is that we have to find ways to be different. And the only way to be different is by engaging in God's word and begin to be obedient to it and practice it. Because it's important that you understand that this invitation to God's table is a very profound thing. 
It's not just breaking bread and drinking the juice. It's, it's this internal transformation that begins to happen in an individual. And it comes around with regularity. And that's the beauty of it, that God gives you every single day as a new opportunity for you to strive towards Him. Listen, that word strive is continuous. We have not arrived. This church has not arrived. We as pastors have not arrived. We continue every single day to ask God to redefine our constructs, our ideas of what it should be. And we discover what He wants us to do so that we can do it. And our hope and prayer is that as we're walking through James, that the things that He's giving you, listen, faith is a gift. We all have faith. We believe in something. But faith in the world is deceiving. It's fleeting. It's elusive. It's like a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat. God says, if you do what I say, I got your back. You say, God, but it doesn't feel good. Who said obedience is supposed to feel good? says, God, but I don't know. I don't want to love my enemies, man. I want to kill them. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to talk to him. But God, I deserve to buy myself a 50-inch flat screen TV. I deserve that. As we draw near to God, we begin to think of others more than ourselves. begin to think of others because we want to honor God there are two things I live by love God and love his people now understand this because I don't want you to leave here saying oh he's a loving pastor no I'm not I love God and I love you but I'm not going to tolerate your nonsense I'm not I'm not I got some rough edges you know God is working you know, um, I got a calling on my life. Last time I looked, John the Baptist screamed at everybody. You know, work for him. You know, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking. We can talk here, right? We're family, right? Right? It was funny because I showed it to a church, one of our church plants, about a month ago, and now. Uh, um, they were shocked to see me, and their response was, okay, who's in trouble? <laughs> and uh, I was just visiting. <laughs> Nobody was in trouble. True faith is humble, and humility is the opposite of proud selfishness and self-centered ambition. Self-centeredness characterizes this world, where you think it's all about you. And James pokes you and says, it's not about you. It's about God. You want to honor God? Live a life that He asks you to live, not the one you want to live. This is why I don't know how to live it. Well, it's not private. It's public. You have Bible. You have a word. You have a church. You have a Bible study. Whatever it is, engage. Engage. Let the Word of God come into you and then begin to act upon it. We'll put it all a little bit at a day. You know, a little bit, that's all, just a little bit. Every day, you try. I've heard somewhere that just for today, I'm not going to pick up. Right? So just for today, I'm going to engage in God's Word. I'm going to meditate on it. Right? I'm going to... Mm, okay, mm, doesn't taste too good. Mm, I'm going to swallow it, and then I'm going to let it do, you know, do what it does. God's Word is not going to return void if I apply it to my life. That's the obedient piece. And God says, yeah, okay, he got it, one step. Okay, okay, God, that world looks good. Okay, and God gives me another. And I keep striving, and I keep striving. And sometimes, sometimes, listen, can we be honest? Sometimes we get here, and we run back here. Right? Sometimes we'll say something really dumb to somebody we love. Right? 
And then we're like, that's the moment of obedience. You said something dumb to somebody you love. What do you do? What do you do? You renounce rebellion. You renounce strife. You be quick to confess your sin. My bad. I'm sorry. I messed up. I made a mistake, but I need you to have my back on this. I need you to help me with this. I haven't yet arrived. I'm striving. I'm striving. I'm pushing towards that because I know and I heard his word says, Come, let us reason. And when I read that, I was like, Man, God, you know everything about me. Why do you want to reason? He says, Come, let us reason. Though your sins are as grimson red, I will make them as white as snow. Woo! Let me tell you something. I look good and white. I look good and white. That's just me talking. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a different opinion, but I think that if I draw near and slowly but surely he begins to chip away at the rough edges, I'm going to get better at this. And here's what I want to do. I want to invite as many people as I can to this club called heaven. Woo! As we get a groove on. Okay? We partying and praising. Listen, if you sit here while they're singing and you can't sing, man, you need some prayer. You need some prayer. There's nothing wrong with just looking at the words and going, okay, anointed one, glory. It's okay. It's going to kick in. It's going to kick in. Then we're going to be able to shut you up. And that's okay. Because when the Spirit of God comes, He comes like a mighty rushing wind. And He lifts you out of yourself and propels you into the presence of God. So what I need you to do is come as you are. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Listen. If your marriage isn't working out, I got to tell you, there's a D word that shows up regularly. You know what that word is? Yeah. It'll show up. Because the enemy will tell you, you're better off alone than with this person. And some of us have opted to do that. Some of us have been married a couple of times and maybe now we're dating somebody and the missus don't mention, we got to get married. You're like, no way. We told me to get married. I ruined it. It's because you didn't understand the essence of marriage. The way God intended it to be. See, I didn't either. And that D word showed up in my home. And I said, God, this is not going to happen here. I'm not going to walk away from this. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to make this work. But not in my own strength. I had to change. Man, I had to change. I had to do some things. So I strived. I caught a glimpse of what marriage could be like. And you don't have to go anywhere. Just watch a couple of movies. I got two hours to work it out. Two hours right over here. They play, whatever. Or 30 minutes later, and then two hours, they're kissing, happily going off in the sunset. It doesn't work that way. But I caught a glimpse of what it can be. Man, and I am so grateful that God is faithful. Because the glimpse that I caught of what it can be wasn't my idea. It was his idea. I just had to see what he saw. And stop rejecting his picture for my life. Amen? So you come as you are, don't get satisfied. They catch a glimpse of what it could be. I don't know where you are right now. And I, I'm not here to cast a, a judging eye on anyone. I'm here just to let you know that James doesn't want to hit you over the head with the cross. He's simply saying, these are simple things for you to do. Listen to me. Simple. You don't have to be intellectually brainiac IQ of 300. All you have to do is get tired of that and want that. That's all. 
get tired of that. Let me tell you something. This has been faithful to make you miserable. He wants to be faithful to give you joy. 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 We're going to take part in the communion. Because God is making an invitation. I'm going to ask the team to come up. They're going to sing this song. I want you guys to meditate on it. I want you to hear what God has said today. A double-minded person is someone that holds on to the world and tries to hold on to God. Here's what I want you to do. I need you to let go. Amen? There's a little cup that you should have gotten on your way in. Everybody? If you, everybody have a cup. If you don't, raise your hand. They'll get you one. If you're partaking of the communion, we want to make sure that you have the cup. Anybody have one? Anybody need one? Anybody? I want you to hear the words of the song. And I want you to think about two things. One is, I came in here today, and Pastor, you kind of stepped on my toes. I've done some things. I've acted in a particular way. James came in our reading of James. It talked about our motives. It talked about the things we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. And then he went through this whole thing. Just wash your hands. This is a moment for us to come clean with God. And, and maybe, you know, you're in this room and, and maybe before you even got here, you got an issue with someone that you came here with. Maybe you have an issue with someone at home. It's a good time for you. Listen to me. There's two parts of this. Because you're going to come to God today and ask Him to forgive you. But you better run home and ask that person to forgive you as well. <laughs> Don't do that one half and say it's okay. So you can put on a show here because God right now has His lens upon you sitting in your seat no one else God is a God who has redeemed that which has been lost so listen to this it's like the
exalt you, O Lord. And Lord, now we draw near to the table that you have set before us. I pray right now, Father, that if there's anyone in this room who has not made a confession of faith, that they will do so right now, this moment. That they would ask you into their lives with a simple prayer by saying, God, I need you. Come into my heart and empower me to follow you. And Lord, I pray for that person who some bitterness and resentment in their hearts. I pray they'd be able right now to ask you to forgive them. But also, Lord, that they would take that next step and seek forgiveness from those that they have offended. Because in being obedient you will transform their lives. It was during this time that the Lord knew what was about to happen and he drew, he prepared this place where he can sit with his disciples. Maybe we have a lot more in this room than he had in that upper room. set aside this place, they designated and they went there and they sat and spread out this meal. And on that day that he was betrayed, that he knew what was coming, not only for someone at the table, but he knew the cross was coming as well. He broke bread. Paul instructs us on this. He says, you know, I, I do this with you so you can remember what was done for you. The body represents the bread. The bread represents the body that was broken for us at the cross, pierced. The wine represents the blood that was shed that establishes a new agreement. See, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin. So a sinless one had to die so that you and me could live. Jesus came to show us the way. So today, I am asking you to come to God's table. And if your heart is heavy, this is a good time for you to say, Lord, help me. Empower me. Lead me. Help me to resist the lies and embrace the truth. At this table now, that we'll partake, there's an empowerment that happens. And it will happen with you right now, this moment. If you're willing, to say no to that table and sit at this table. Oh, God is good. God is here right now, this moment.